Data Mesh Radio is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Scott Hurlman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for data mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released this week. Should help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time with, as interview episodes and panels are typically one hour or more. In general, if you are running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, working with lots of practitioners just to kind of get them into a better headspace and a better kind of operating model around Data Mesh. So please do get in touch if that sounds interesting. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of April 16th, 2023. Okay, I'm really starting to work on a few things that I think will be really interesting for folks out there. I'll be running a few different programs and I'm going to be getting in touch with people who are connected to me on LinkedIn. One is introductions to fellow data mesh practitioners. Another one is roundtables. Unfortunately, I fell ill the first week of April, so a bit behind on those, but I'm starting to get those going as well. The third is going to be around what I talked about kind of regarding roundtables, but looking for people to own kind of smaller subgroups. And hopefully instead of just having conversations, people will start to collaborate on more content. I'm going to be looking for feedback on content that people want, things like that. And I'm also hoping to have my reading companion to Jmack's book out by the end of May. So get in touch if you want an early peek on that, but kind of keep an eye out and ear out for some interesting stuff that's coming. So what's on tap for this week specifically? On Monday, it's episode 214, Is Core Data the Way to Achieve MDM's Goals in Data Mesh? Which is an interview with Marcy Stetzel from CGen. So this is just kind of an extremely calm episode, I would say. We were both kind of at the end of the day, and it's just very quiet and very just kind of friendly. But it's just two people exchanging some context, trying to figure out how we achieve a lot of the goals of MDM without creating the overly rigid structure that can't scale and doesn't add the value we think it will that MDM seems to. You'll learn a lot about how CGen is coming at this problem, some of which is particular to pharma, but most of it is pretty widely applicable. You'll also learn a lot uh, about an animal that gets some of its energy through photosynthesis, which I think is kind of interesting. And then on Friday, we've got episode 215, which is another one of our panels. This one is for about leading a data mesh implementation. So we've got Kim Tees from PayPal. We've got Omar Kawaja from Roche. We've got Ferd Sheepers from ING. And we've got Mike Alvarez, who was helping to lead uh, the data mesh implementation at a large healthcare company, a very large healthcare distribution company. So, you know, this covers a whole different range of company types and industries and the different challenges of leading, right? It's a super laid back and high empathy conversation about how you can actually lead. Like, how can you make progress but not get it perfect and have empathy for yourself? 
Plus, you know, just a, a big call out from me to just network with each other because everybody that was on there kind of ended up saying, oh, we're going to connect with each other and kind of keep exchanging information. But I think it's just a, a fun and useful look at some folks that have forgiven themselves for not getting it perfect all the time and how applicable that is for other people that are leading their implementations. So with that, on to the extended summaries for both episodes this week. Quick reminder that panel uh, ex- you know, extended summaries can be pretty long, so just be aware for that. <laughs> Extended summary for episode 214 is core data the way to achieve MDM's goals in data mesh. Interview with Marcy Stetzel. So in this episode, I interviewed Marcy, who is the principal product manager of enterprise core data at CGen. To be clear, though, she was only representing her own views on the episode. Before we jump in, CGen might be a bit of a special case in how much the domains can leverage each other's data around kind of this key record type that we talked a lot about. There's a lot to learn, but you might not be able to find use cases that are quite as broadly impactful to many domains at once as they had at CGen. I just don't want to get people's hopes up that there's this one key that's going to unlock all the value, right? So Marcy started off with a bit about her background as a teacher, as well as on the commercial side of the healthcare space which has shaped her view of teaching and learning and also healthcare data needs. Part of CGen's role in the enterprise core data and using enterprise core data instead of the phrase of master data management or, or MDM was moving away from the connotations with slavery, you know, with the word master, and that this data is core to the enterprise, that this is crucial to the organization, not just data management practice or a task or something like that. Enterprise core data at CGen is about creating a way to make data that many domains leverage the same to prevent lots of domains doing the same work and make interoperability far easier. MDM also is typically managed centrally instead of enabled centrally and managed at the domain level, you know, kind of federated governance. That's what that's all about whereas MDM is that central control. So you have to rethink a lot to do enterprise core data instead of of MDM in a data mesh setup. Trying to map one-to-one to to MDM in a historical data approach won't really work well. We have to rethink how we do things. I think this is a good example of doing that. At CGen, Marcy and team decided to tackle one type of core data record first, healthcare professionals, rather than trying to unify every type of record across healthcare. Don't boil the ocean or bite off more than you can chew. They're working on creating the platform for domains to manage their core data records, which creates more sharing opportunities and even higher quality data. Teams can better cross-reference information while they are still, you know, in pre and while they are still in pre-production, you know, it, it is early days. 
even bringing this to domain's attention in is sparking conversations between the domains about potential collaboration and new use cases. So it's not even just they're doing this and it's around the interoperability around this one type of record. It's already creating these new use cases where the domains go, oh, you've got that, I've got this, or you're trying to do this. Well, we've been trying to do this and we think we've come up with a system. Oh, your system's way better. We want to use your system, right? All of that is really, really helping them out. So Marcy and team are winning converts by showing them what the platform will be able to do for their own domain, but also keeping an eye on that interoperability and leverage provided to other domains. That means that domains get some value from participating even if no other domains participate. If other domains do participate, then everyone gets more value from each other. This is kind of how data mesh works in in a way, right? They started with a simple value proposition. This will make handling your own data easier and then created a group collaboration incentive. The more domains that participate, the better the information and the less work everyone has to do to get to better outcomes. This is where you want to look for those leverage points. You know, Scott noticed this is where you want to look for these leverage points to around data mesh as well, not just around hey, we're, we're doing this interoperability, but just this concept of we're going to get you to better. We're going to get you to a place where you can do better with your data. And oh, by the way, we're going to make it so that you can easily share data with each other. When asked about incentivization complications around domains wanting to focus on their own goals, Marcy mentioned that as the domains are starting to find cross-domain use cases, the organization can realign goals to be about focusing on those common goals where everyone wins. What drives the most value for the business and how do we incent that kind of outcome or behavior? Scott knows this is an interesting nuance that I haven't really heard much of from before. How they found the cross-domain use cases was also interesting. Marcy and team met independently with different business domains to extract what each team felt could be a good output of working with a common enterprise core data platform, as well as tying these individual value props to the larger goal of helping more patients. The data team then literally took all of those outputs and showed each business domain that uses the HCP or healthcare professional data, the value across CGen of having an enterprise core data platform. This sparked that collaboration ideas between domains for how to drive even more value from the the core data platform. Scott, one thing I've been talking about is, hey, get the domains to talk to each other. And they kind of, CGen just went and said, we're going to just talk to each of the domains and then connect each other. This is kind of a lot of what I do in the community around data mesh of just like, hey, I know you're interested in this. Talk to this other person that's interested in this. So it's an interesting approach. It, it might not be that scalable at for a lot of organizations, but it is an interesting thing to get collaboration juices flowing. Marcy is seeing that domains have to spend a lot of time right now pre their platform that they're bringing to them to cleanse and match data. And Downstream consumers of their data have to do the work too, as they don't know it's already been done upstream. They don't know this. Khan Chow kind of talked about this as well, what was happening at Northern Trust when they were just doing data services. The quality requirements for most use cases 
at CGen are pretty high. So creating a way for domains to work much more easily to or creating a way for domains to much more easily interoperate data will save them a lot of work, a lot of time and effort. The core data platform will hopefully prevent lots of domains from having to do a lot of that quality checking work. And it will also increase quality by having more sources of information to verify that the other people's data is high quality or correct. Basically, the checking of quality becomes far less arduous because people are clear what's been checked and when and how, but it's also that there's a lot more data to kind of check, is this other stuff as correct as we think it is? One thing that is working well at CGen for Marcy and team is doing lots of demos and small proofs of concepts. Similar to doing sprint demos, teams are buying in because seeing is believing. They're showing the business real, realized value that will come from their participation. So teams are leaning in, right? They're excited about what data mesh and what this core data platform can bring to them. This is similar to what Carolina Hensel mentioned in episode 104. There can be a lot of value in addressing data quality issues for domains and helping them understand how participating in this will significantly increase the value or the the quality, but increase it in a way where you can measure and actually know how much you can trust it. Marcy talked about the value of maintaining focus on uh, a thin slice instead of trying to get many domains to bought in on the data mesh concept. There is a specific use case and they are only working with a few domains at the start, right? Instead of saying, everybody, let's do data mesh. It's like, we've got this use case and we've got a new way of approaching this use case. There are clearly defined and scoped benefits. Again, thin slice. And focusing on the end-to-end solution to working with this data for the domains has also helped to get and keep everyone on the same page. So wrapping up with some quick tidbits, look for ways to share knowledge in fun and interesting ways. Upskilling can be a bit intimidating. Make it more gamified and less high pressure. Humanize it a bit. Really embrace an attitude of learning. Be vulnerable and transparent. Mercy said, explore, discover, and mature data together. She also said, engaging conversations, exploration, curiosity, and a safe space, that those are all crucial. Extended summary for episode 215, panel, leading a data mesh implementation. Quick reminder that extended summaries for panels go through a lot of bullet points. I think there are 34 in this one, and that are they are quite long, so just buckle in for a bit. <laughs> in this episode, guest host Kim Tees, Director of Intelligence Automation at PayPal, facilitated a discussion with Ferd Sheepers, who's the Chief Information Architect at ING, Mike Alvarez, who's the former VP of Digital Services at a large healthcare distribution company and was his guest of episode 236 of the upcoming episode, and Omar Kawaja, who's head of business intelligence at Roche, and he was the guest of episode 96. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. Um, and in general in these, I 
do a bunch of takeaways to rather than trying to reflect the nuance of panelists' views. It's my takeaways from that. So before we jump in, I think my the main takeaway here would be a data mesh implementation leader's journey can be a very lonely one. Find peers and exchange information. You can reach out to me, but there are also many leaders that want to exchange information with each other. The other is the meaning of journey. It's never done. Be prepared to continue to push. It can feel feel like a Sisyphean type of, of task, but it's important to keep moving forward and expect to continue to drive buy-in. That buy-in doesn't just happen and then everyone's done and then it's all good, right? So my top takeaways, my top eight are number one, everyone sees kind of the Instagram photos version of other organizations' data mesh journeys. It's not the reality. Everyone is struggling with certain aspects of data mesh because if this were easy, people would read Jamak's book and be done with it. It's just not realistic to expect that, especially not right now. Give your leaders or yourself maybe a a break. Number two, it's incredibly important to understand you will get things quote unquote wrong, but scratch that. You will get many things wrong, but that kind of quote unquote wrong in data doesn't have to mean wrong for good or for all time. It's about trying, learning, and iterating to better. Look, really look into fast fail practices. I know that word failure is really scary in data, but it doesn't have to be. If you feel the need to get everything right, for me, data data mesh is definitely not right for you right now. Number three, a champion for your early adopter, right, is crucial to drive a data mesh implementation. There needs to be someone who will partner with you that is, as Omar said, brave enough to try new things. Number four, it's easy to focus on so many aspects of data mesh and forget the mindset shift and cultural change are the biggest challenges for most organizations. They are the most squishy or at least tangible, but that doesn't mean they aren't absolutely crucial. Teams need the autonomy and empowerment to move at the right speed for them. The more friction in their data work, the more time and effort it takes to deliver value and the world can have moved on. You have to give teams the capability to strike while the iron's hot. That's a good way to drive buy-in. We're going to give you the ability to move at the speed of business. Number six, be very clear on expectations. What do we owe each other? Focus on how much data mesh drives value for them, but also how it drives value for the organization. What is the output of their work? What value comes from what they did or what they will do? It will be quite difficult to change this kind of thinking overnight, though. Number seven, similarly, be very clear on responsibilities and be very clear on target outcomes. It's easy to get lost in the work instead of what are we trying to actually achieve with the work. Number eight, a good success story doesn't have to be a massive win. Time to delivery is really valuable, so showing getting something into MVP, into that minimum viable product, in a few weeks will get a number of teams excited. Driving that lower is of significant value, and it's a tangible value for many business partners where they can reasonably share about the impact of their business if you cut the amount of time between ideation to an MVP. So uh, again, there's some more (laughs) takeaways. There's 26 more coming here. So a lot of them touch on similar points, even to uh, the the 
top eight as well as to each other, but I think they're good from multiple different perspectives. So number one, there's a very good reason why we refer to them as data mesh journeys. You can't treat this as a project. Think of your physical fitness and health. It's an ongoing journey with plenty of trials and tribulations. Be the same with data mesh. Number two, it's okay if data mesh is not a fit for your organization. There's no shame in that. Be honest when considering if it's a fit or if you just want to do it because it sounds like a good solution in the abstract. Number three, in general, look to collect reasons for past failures of projects and, and you know targets and all that things prior to doing data mesh. Not to throw others or past ways under the bus, but to emphasize that the current ways of working pre-data mesh aren't working as well as we might like. Proof points really help to convince others, right? Collect those and be ready to share those and also to say, like, how should we do things differently going forward? Number four, it's always a challenge to maintain autonomy and empowerment without it leading to silos. There isn't a magic formula. It's something you will have to constantly keep a watch on, but you're not the only one, right? And this is really important that silos will crop up if you're not kind of vigilant about it. Number five, there's a balance between autonomy and interoperability. You'll probably get it kind of not great at first, and that's okay. Work to find the right balance, or at least an acceptable balance as you move forward. And that balance will likely shift. Number six, the focus on of the platform should be on making users' lives simpler so they can actually own the data. It's easy to fall into the focus, you know, into focusing on the tech, but the value is in friction reduction for users and the abstractions you offer them to create that friction reduction. Number seven, be prepared to need to continually drive buy-in. Gravity around the historical, maybe you call it legacy, data management practices is strong. That gravity is so strong. You will have people wanting to use an enterprise data warehouse or a data lake setup or not wanting to focus on integration with the rest of the organization. Announcing you are doing data mesh doesn't magically mean everyone is bought in or they stay bought in. You know, I'm kind of thinking visually of those things when people are herding cats, right? When they've got like the little kitties and they're trying to put them all into one area and one just keeps running off or, you know, three or four of them keep running off and you got like eight in a, in a space. That's going to keep happening. You kind of have to keep corralling them back into it. Number eight, similarly, be prepared to explain concepts and terms repeatedly. Data mesh and data work in general is not the main focus of most people of their work in, in your organization. Do your best to have the patience to work with people to drive towards a better understanding. Number nine, don't focus overly on terminology. You know, see my unicorn farts theory. Focus on where the change or what the change in work means for people and what outcomes you are trying to achieve. Business leaders and users don't care that you are doing data mesh. Data mesh is a shared language for the data people working on the implementation. Especially, don't try to uh, explicitly define federated computational governance. I please beg you not to do that. As Ferd said, look to bring governance back to the essence of what we want to do. Don't get overly focused on governing everything instead of the right things. That can mean not taking on really difficult challenges right at the start of your journey, 
I passing on use cases? That's okay to do. Think about your capabilities and honestly assess them. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't think I have to do every, I have to be capable of doing every use case at the start. Number 11, incremental progress is the best approach to most, maybe all aspects of data mesh rather than trying to take giant leaps. Number 12, early in your journey, likely focus more on quick wins that will give you some good internal marketing material. Market those successes to build desire for additional domains to join. Build the momentum of success. Also think about limiting chances for failure early. Fast fail in general is crucial, but you don't want a full fast fail on your first use case, right? You want to have those kind of mini contained blast radius as you're learning, but you don't want your first use case to be a fast fail as in the first use case itself failed. Number 13, many things will not work or go great in a data mesh journey. That's the reality of being on the bleeding edge, being an explorer. It's very important to reflect not just on wins, but take the learnings from what didn't work. If you don't reflect on your mistakes, you're far more likely to repeat them. Number 14, your early champions and and business partners can come from unexpected corners of the business. Look for bravery and a well-defined and valuable use case with limited initial scope. Be open to the idea of surprising initial use cases and working with unexpected lines of businesses and domains. Number 15, try to directly tie value generation to your data mesh work. Understand the value drivers for the organization and prioritize the work based on those value drivers. What actually drives value in the minds of other people and in reality, right? Perception and reality. What drives value work to kind of leverage those value drivers. Number 16, to get buy-in, you don't have to offer domains the perfect solution, just one that is a better option than whatever else is available internally for their use case. It can't be 10% better because there's friction and switching and things like that, but you don't have to be perfect. You just have to say, we've got a better ability to, to do this thing. Number 17, another good potential hook for, for potential business partners is that data mesh, specifically handling your data as a product, has less technical debt, so it can quickly pay for itself and save time, especially for use cases that are mandatory, like regulatory compliance. Number 18, be very diligent in putting teams together, especially early. Throwing bodies at the problems of data mesh won't solve anything, but having the right capabilities in the teams sets those, or not having the right capabilities sets those teams up for failure. I recommend personally reading Jamak's book on the topic, Re-Necessary Capabilities in Teams. She touches on it multiple times. Number 19, incentivization to become a data producer can be quite hard, but it's extremely important to get right. How can we think of value creation through data without the perception of monetization? Because that monetization can feel like you are selling data externally, even if you're only talking about internal monetization of the data. Number 20, for your first use case, you need to have the business and technology slash data team working as one team, one actual team, not just a team in name. That doesn't mean you have to have a huge reorg, but you need people constantly sharing context and partnering to drive to value. Otherwise, you have a high risk of falling back on the same old ways of doing things. 
Number 21, make failure not a, con- a catastrophe. As Vanya Seth says, contain your blast radius. Number 22, it's crucial for people to understand that doing decentralized data means a lot of changes. Get people comfortable or at least acutely aware that we'll need new ways of working and delivering value. Number 23, it's probably easier in most organizations to get funding and buy-in if you focus deeply on the business use case. Yes, building data mesh capabilities has an overhead to the initial use case or two as you spend time and effort learning how to do data mesh, and it's okay to talk about that. But if you aren't talking direct, tangible business value and getting buy-in, getting buy-in and more importantly, funding will likely be harder. So focus on by doing this, this is great for this use case and for future use cases, but like if it does if it's not great for this specific initial use case, then are you going to really get funding? And a lot of organizations no. Number 24, make sure you have buy-in from consumers on use cases. If they aren't bought in, will they even consume from whatever data you provide them? If you don't have users, the best data product in the world is useless. Number 25, budgetary issues. Why would one domain create value for another if they aren't getting compensated for it, right? Those budgetary issues are extremely common. There isn't an easy answer here, unfortunately, right? Be prepared for them. And finally, number 26, as stated above, in general, it's often lonely being the person leading a data mesh journey. Who do you talk to? You know, there's me, but find other leaders and network with each other. Hopefully that sounds like some awesome episodes for the week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey. I'm helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. I hope you have a great rest of your day and your week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music. Mm -hmm.